0: Now, you recall, it's um, been a couple weeks since we were working on this verse, since we had a guest last week, but the word for hypocrite is kanef. Kanef is a word that literally means to be soiled. It's a very intensive word. It can mean uh, profane or polluted, full of sin, godless. Uh, Kinder translates it apostate. Uh, the idea being then that uh, it's not just simply a hypocrite. The word in the New Testament, hypocrisis means a play actor, one that hides behind a mask. Uh, but here, uh, the word has a much broader meaning. And uh, sometimes the context will narrow that down, and sometimes not. But the idea is the godless man, the man that is soiled, the man that is polluted, the man that is profane. And it says that this particular individual... Destroys with his mouth, and the word for mouth is the word "peh." It's used repeatedly in the Old Testament, about 500 times. Um, it means breath. It uh, use it speaks of the mouth as a means of blowing. Uh, it has a number of uh, concepts tied into it. It's used no less than 56 times in the Book of Proverbs, another 66 times in the Psalms. Um, it uh, primarily speaks of the mouth as an organ of speech, and uh, carries with it as it speaks of God speaking or God uh, uttering words. Um, it, it has the idea of God breathing them out, uh, much like we have in the concept in Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed, and uh, the idea of, of it coming directly from God's mouth. Uh, it it usually speaks of words uh, coming out of God's mouth, but it does on occasion. It's used on occasion to speak of fire coming out of God's mouth or uh, simply a sound coming out of God's mouth uh, without the idea of intelligible words. That is, making a noise or a sound. Uh, And uh, it's also used uh, uh, for man's organ of speech uh, and uh, even for... um, Balaam's donkey is an example, when Balaam's donkey spoke intelligible words. And once in a while, you have the word used to to speak in relationship to eating or drinking, such as uh, in Proverbs 19, uh, 24, um, you have the picture there of the slothful man hiding his hand in his dish, and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. In this case, it, it uses peh, in the idea of taking something into the mouth. But that's uh, rather rare, really. Um, You also have uh, the word used in a figurative sense, such as the mouth of a well, or uh, even the mouth of the sack that uh, uh, Benjamin had in uh, Genesis 42, the mouth of a cave in Joshua 10, uh, the the mouth or the entrance of a city in Proverbs (laughs) chapter 8 and verse 3. It's used for the the edge of a sword, uh, the, the mouth of the sword, uh, the figurative picture there in all likelihood is the, the uh, opening that the sword makes when it's thrust in, uh, therefore the edge of the sword. Now, the word is used repeatedly in Proverbs, as we mentioned, and I think it's instructive for us to see some of those uses, so let's just begin in chapter 2, and you can just follow through with me. Some of these guys that are worried about whether we're going to get through Proverbs or not, we're going to get through it this morning, all right? Because we're, we'll just whip through and, and look at how this word is used without any elaboration to any great degree, uh, except on just a few occasions. Chapter 2, verse 6, for the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Again, the 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 breath the 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 uh, uh, mouth is the organ of speech God speaking here it's out of god's mouth uh, that there is uh, um, wisdom or knowledge and understanding and then in chapter four chapter four in verse five it says, Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth uh, the the mouth, again, used in this positive way and telling you, don't uh, drift, don't go away from the words of the mouth of wisdom in this particular case. Uh, because, or Excuse me, no, it's not, it's not wisdom, it's uh, the Father speaking in this particular case. And uh, you're not to uh, decline from the words of the peh here. And then in verse 24... Uh, put away from thee the crooked mouth, the uh, uh, topuka mouth, the upside-down mouth, the, the mouth that uh, uh, is not straight. Uh, you want to be beware of the, f- actually King James translates it, froward. In chapter 5, verse 4, it speaks of the prostitute and says, Her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged, a 2 mouth sword. There again the word peh is used. Verse seven, hear me now therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Once again, the idea of the mouth as an organ of speech, you see. In Proverbs six in verse two, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Now it's speaking of the individual to whom the message is coming. Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Uh, You've got to be careful what you say. You've got to be careful what you breathe out. Uh, And in this particular case, the thing that you have breathed out is a promise to pay someone else's debt. You don't want to do that. And uh, Proverbs is very explicit about that. Verse 12, a worthless person. Uh, The naughty person, the King James says. It's a worthless person, a vain person, an empty person. A wicked man walketh about uh, with a perverse mouth. Again, uh, the idea of a distorted, it's a different word than we saw earlier. Um, It's a distorted mouth. And so you have to beware of such an individual. Chapter 7, verse 24. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Once again, it's uh, warning you against the, if you remember this study, warning you against the prostitute, warning you against uh, the the one that would lure you into a den of iniquity. uh, And it tells you to attend to the words of the Father's mouth. Chapter 8, in verse 8, All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing crooked or perverse in them. Again, this is wisdom uh, declaring that we should follow her. And uh, all the words of his mouth are in righteousness. That, incidentally, is what we ought to be if we have the wisdom of God as well. All our words in righteousness. Proverbs 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogance, and the evil way, and the perverse, the Tapuka mouth, do I hate. Uh, it's the third time we've seen the idea of the perverse mouth, just in these few chapters. Uh, th- this is, again, that word that means upside down. The other word means distorted, and uh, the idea of uh, the mouth being an upside down mouth, one that is backward, one that uh, is uh, perverse. And then in verse 29 of chapter 8, It talks about uh, when God made the sea, the waters uh, were not to pass his commandment. The word commandment is the word path. They were not to uh, pass his speech. Uh, God uh, made a limit to the ocean. And uh, we don't know precisely what that limit is. Uh, All we know is that it's impossible for the sea to rise above the place where God said stop. And uh, you may think that that is its normal tide pattern, uh, but it's probably not. It's probably beyond that. It probably uh, is uh, uh, even at height at the highest tide that the ocean can be found. Otherwise, the ocean would be disobeying God. So, therefore, he's got a place out there. I don't know. Maybe it's Cupertino. I don't know. But the point is that the ocean can never, ever pass his commandment. He set a limit to it. You don't have to worry about the ocean inundating all of the land. God already had promised that there would be no more flood. He promised that the earth would never again be destroyed by a flood. Uh, And uh, people that live down by the ocean every once in a while wonder if that really is true. But it always proves to be true. The whole earth will never be destroyed by a flood. Be destroyed by fire. But never by a flood again. God put his bow in the sky to indicate... His covenant and His promise. But again, it's the words of His mouth. You see, there's great force to the concept of the words of the mouth and, uh, and all the way through Scripture, particularly when it speaks of the words of God's mouth. All right. By the way, a destructive force for, in the negative sense for the froward man and as we're seeing here for the profane individual. Proverbs 10 and verse 6. Blessings are in the head of the just, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. The peh of the wicked. Uh, Verse 11. The mouth of the righteous man is a well of life, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. There again, twice you have the idea of um, peh, breathing out. The mouth of the righteous man, a well of life. It's refreshing and, uh, and satisfying but violence comes out of the mouth of the wicked. Verse 14, Wise men lay up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. Things that this man says are always just on the brink of destruction. Verse 31, The mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom, the positive, uh, but the perverse tongue will be cut out. Uh, The... In verse uh, 30, 32, "...the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of wickedness speaketh perverseness." The mouth of the wicked brings forth a frowardness or perverseness. Uh, chapter 11 and verse 9 is our verse. and verse 11 it comes up again, "...by the blessing of the upright the city is exalted." but is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Chapter 12 and verse 6. Chapter 12 and verse 6. The words of the wicked are to lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. Look at verse 8. A man shall be commended according to his wisdom, but he that is a... That can't be right. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I just... I had it circled, but I couldn't uh, remember. It's, it's hidden in there, okay? A man shall be commended according to his wisdom, but he that is of a perverse heart shall be despised. The words according to there are really the word path. And again, uh, it's kind of hidden in there, uh, but here's how it would be. A man shall be commended out of the mouth of his wisdom. That's the idea of it there. So it kind of... <laughs> It's tucked in there. You can't see it as easily. You might want to mark that in your Bible so you don't, uh, uh, you don't make that mistake, all right? Uh, what does the New American Standard Bible say? According to. According to, okay. It's just used there in that, in that prepositional sense, uh, but uh, it really is the word peh. All right, chapter 12, verse 14. A man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his peh, by the fruit of his mouth and the recompense of a man's hand shall be rendered unto him. Chapter 13, in verse 2, A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressors shall eat violence. Now, incidentally, uh, this is one of those cases where it might be construed to mean that he is taking something into his mouth. Uh, but uh, you notice that it is, it is a figurative sense Uh, he's not talking about food, he's talking about good. And uh, therefore, we just want to mention that in passing as well. Verse 3, he that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. He that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. All right, that's a good verse to keep in mind. Uh, Chapter 14, verse 3, in the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride but the lips of the wise shall preserve them. Now, the reason I'm going through all of this, and I, I want you to, uh, not only is it instructive to see all of these uses, of the word mouth, but uh, I, what I want you to grasp as we're going through it is this, that there is tremendous power in the mouth for good or evil. And, of course, that's exactly what James 3 teaches, where it teaches that um, the mouth can be like a bitter poison, uh, the mouth can bring blessing. It uh, just depends on how you use the mouth. And we're, of course, thinking in terms of chapter 11, verse 9, where it's talking about the perverse, the godless man uh, that, that uh, uses his mouth to destroy his neighbor. And uh, so there's tremendous power in the mouth. Uh, the, the, the statement, uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me, isn't really true. Uh, that's not a biblical proverb. Uh, someone made that up, and it sounds nice, but it's really not true. There is great destruction that can come by the words of a, of a man's mouth. There's great blessing that can come by a word of a, of a man's mouth. I was sharing with uh, my guys on Sunday morning uh, uh, about the, the, the fact of, uh, of Evan Roberts, uh, who was greatly used of God. Uh, to, to uh, precipitate the uh, Welsh revival of the early 1900s. And uh, uh, there was another pastor who came out with some extremely critical statements against Evan Roberts. Just said some, some things and uh, the result was that Evan Roberts went into seclusion and he, for all practical purposes after that, never ministered publicly again. You say, well, you know, if he was such a man of God, he he, uh, he, he should have uh, overcome that. Well, it may be. But how would you like to be responsible for saying some little thing that would cause a man of that stature to just withdraw and pull back? You never know when a person may respond that way. And uh, uh, Evan Roberts uh, literally died in seclusion uh, it didn't mean stop ministering. He prayed uh, hours and hours and hours every day, and continued to minister in that way. But he stopped his public ministry because of this one man uh, uh, telling the people that uh, it was uh, that, his, that the revival that had centered around uh, him was a farce, and that uh, Evan Roberts had uh, stirred the people up emotionally, and that uh, it was not of God and uh, that it was all Evan Roberts' fault, and Evan Roberts just withdrew. All right? You never know what your word may say. Be sure, be careful you weigh out your words. There's a, you have a tremendous ability to bring discouragement to people. I, um, I uh, recall uh, uh, fairly recently a... Uh, uh, mayor, the mayor of uh, of a city in the uh, uh, east, uh, can't right now. I can't remember what city, but uh, anyway, he uh, uh, was very distressed. Uh, just I think it was just last year uh, because he was not able to uh, balance the city budget. Uh, uh, others should be so worried. But uh, <laughs> he was not able to balance the city budget and meet the deadline of uh, submitting the budget by 30th of April or whatever. And he told his colleagues, he says, I'm going to kill myself. And one of his colleagues said to him, go ahead. It's probably, you know, in other words, it's probably uh, probably a good thing in the light of the fact that we can't balance the budget. I mean, he was kidding, right? The guy went out and shot his, shot his brains out. Now, how would you like to be the guy that said, why don't you go ahead? See? The thing is that that sounds like an idle threat, particularly with a man of that stature. may not be. The words of your mouth. Have a sensitivity of spirit and then be careful what you say. It's a concept. Okay, now just follow on. Chapter 14, verse 3, In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride. The lips of the wise shall preserve them. A rod of pride in the mouth of the foolish, chapter fifteen, and verse two. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, right, but the mouth of the fools poureth out foolishness. Now you understand that in the parallelisms that are used in the book of Proverbs over and over again, you will have the uh, one statement with lips, the other with tongue; one statement with tongue, and the other with mouth. Uh, and uh, it was it was just a poetic. There's no great distinction between the two. Uh, There might be a technical distinction, but you can't always even discern that. But the idea is that that it's, it's the organs of speech that are being used here, whether it's the lips or the mouth or the tongue. But the word mouth is the word peh. Verse 14. The heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. Verse 28. The heart of the righteous studieth how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. Now, three times in this chapter, those three verses, you notice that it talks more about the inward life of the, of the righteous individual, the inward life of that person, but the mouth is, is just a blowing out, a pouring out of foolishness. There's no thought. There's no uh, taking into consideration the feelings of the other person. It's just let it flow. And so at times, depending on the verbs that are used with it, it, it speaks of that, just that continual flow, nothing controlled at all. Chapter 16, verse 10, a divine sentence is in the lips of the king. His mouth transgresseth not in judgment, uh, the the idea here being that the king uh, uh, the dictator in other words um, because he makes the laws uh, he when he says something it's not a mistake you don't say no king I think you're wrong there <laughs> off with your head I and mean, that's history you know that I I was, when we were in England you know we went to went to uh, the uh, um, uh, Tower of London and uh, listened to the beef eater there. Uh, uh, tell us the history of that place, you know. And uh, some queen is married to some king, and she wakes up in the morning and says, says, I don't like the way you're fixing your hair. Put her in there, you know. Hang her at dawn the next day, or cut her head off. And, and uh, uh, then uh, another guy comes along, and, and he insults the king, and the king throws him in there. You know, that's history. Uh, but the idea is that the person who, the one that is in that position... Uh, he does not transgress in judgment because he makes up the laws. That's the idea that's being thrown out here. Verse 23 of chapter 16. The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth. The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth. Now there's, there's really a key verse. Remember Christ said out of the mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Uh, the mouth really tells what's in the heart. So if you have the wise in heart, then the wise in heart are going to, going to uh, uh, have his mouth taught and addeth learning to his lips. He'll know what to say. That's why you need to have all of the wisdom of God in your heart or you'll be able to say the right things. Chapter 16, verse 26. He that laboreth, laboreth for himself. For his mouth craveth it of him. There's a place where you it could be construed to be speaking of feeding the mouth. In that case, um, though... It, it, it may not be uh, that at all. Chapter 18 and verse 4. The words of a man's mouth are like deep waters, and the wellspring of wisdom is like a flowing brook. There again, it's related to the inner life. Uh, the words of a man's mouth go, go uh, deep uh, into his own heart. Chapter 18, verse 6. A fool's lips enter into contention. Contention. The word is a word that means, actually, to, to make a contest. Uh, and uh, the fool is always looking for a fight. He's always looking for a contest. He's always looking for an argument. And his mouth calleth for strokes. He, every time he opens his mouth, he asks for a whipping. That's the idea of that. Now, I know some kids like that. Uh, <laughs> I used to be like that a lot. You know, my sister was smart enough, she knew when to shut up. And I didn't. I'd argue until I got a whipping. Uh, <laughs> all right, verse 7. A fool's mouth is his destruction. i got to put that together with the other one. A fool's mouth is his destruction. His lips are the snare of his soul. Right? And then in verse, verse uh, um, 20 the same chapter, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with increase of his lips shall he be filled. And there again, that could be speaking of food, but it probably doesn't. It's not speaking of physical food as much as it's speaking of satisfaction for a man's soul. Chapter 19, verse 28, an ungodly witness scoffeth at justice, and the mouth of the wicked devoureth iniquity. Now, again, it's speaking of, in this case, taking something into the mouth. He's eating up iniquity. Chapter 20 and verse 17. Bread of deceit is sweet to a man. Bread of lying is sweet to a man. But afterward, his mouth shall be filled with gravel. When a man decides to tell lies, uh, eventually uh, he's going to have his mouth filled with something that's undesirable. Verse 23. Diverse weights are an abomination to the Lord. And uh, um, Excuse me. Chapter 21, verse 23. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. Chapter 22, in verse 14. The mouth of the strange woman is a deep pit. He that is abhorred by the Lord shall fall therein. The mouth of the Per, of the strange woman, is a is like the mouth of a of a, a trap, uh, for which you you catch uh, animals, large animals, that fall into a pit. Chapter twenty four, and verse seven, wisdom is too high for a fool; he openeth not his mouth in the gate. When you um, think of the gate, you think of the mayor of the city, the council, the city council. And uh, you come, they come together, the elders of the city were the wise men of the city. And they come together and they, uh, uh, they would discuss the important things, the deep things. And only wise men could speak. And a fool comes along, he can't join in the conversation because he doesn't have wisdom in his heart. That's the uh, thing that's being pictured there. In chapter 26 and verse 7, the legs of the lame are not equal. Soul is a parable in the mouth of a fool get, get the funny picture there you've got a guy with one leg shorter than the other he is he's lame he can't walk quite quite straight quite right and uh, so you give a proverb to a fool and he's lame too he doesn't know how to use a proverb he doesn't know how to use the words of wisdom and uh, so it's just like a guy with one leg shorter than the other when, a, pro- when a, a fool has a proverb. That's why we don't allow any fools to come here, see. <laughs> right? Is, is there some people that say, anybody get up at six o'clock every Wednesday morning has got to be a fool. But uh, they just don't understand the facts of life, all right? Proverbs 26 and verse 9. As a thorn goeth up into the hand of a drunkard, so is a parable in the mouth of fools. Once again, uh, you know, the... The, the, the drunkard, is uh, do you hear the tragic thing about William Holden? The, the, the guy was so drunk that when he, when he injured his head and was bleeding to death, he was so drunk he didn't even know that he was dying. He didn't even know that he was hurt. As a thorn goeth into the hand of a drunkard. That's what's being, uh, being talked about there. But the same thing is true if a, pro, if a fool has a proverb. Because the fool, it doesn't affect him at all. I mean, he's impervious to the wisdom of the proverb. Simply because he's a fool. All right. So, chapter 26, verse 28. A lying tongue hateth those who are afflicted by it. And a flattering mouth worketh ruin. Again, the power of the mouth. Chapter 27, verse 2. Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth. Don't brag about your accomplishments. A stranger, and not thine own lips. Chapter twenty-seven, verse twenty-one. As the refining pot for silver and the furnace for gold, so, uh, so I'm. Yeah. So is a man uh, to his praise. The word "to" there is peh. All right. So, what it's saying is, as a refining pot for silver and a furnace for gold, so is a man out of the mouth of his praise. Literally, that's what it would would mean. All right? Chapter 30, and verse 32. 30, 32. If thou hast done foolishly in lifting up thyself, or if thou hast thought evil, lay thy hand upon thy mouth, all right? Stop it! Just put your hand up there and stop it. If you uh, have done foolishly in pride, or if you have been thinking evil, uh, boy, you know. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine this guy walking around like this all day long? You know what's wrong? Well, I think evil all the time. You know, <laughs> but really, you know, if you've thought evil, if evil has come into your mind, put your hand over your mouth. Don't say it. Keep yourself from saying that. And don't uh, say those those words. Oh, uh, verse eight of chapter thirty-one. Open thy mouth for the dumb, in the cause of all such are uh, In the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Open your mouth. Verse nine says as well. Judge righteously and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Here's this man who cannot speak. Speak for him. Stick up for him. That's the idea There, and then, uh, verse twenty-six. Here's the virtuous woman. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her mouth, or in her tongue, is the law of kindness. All right. So there's the mouth in the book of Proverbs, uh, repeatedly used and given uh, over and over again, demonstrating how powerful the mouth is and the source. of, of the, the, the things that come out of the mouth is the heart and all of those good things. Now, let's go back to chapter 11 then. It's the hypocrite with his mouth. The hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth. Now, better it would be to seek to destroy. Shakath. Shakath means to decay means to cause ruin. The verb is used 151 times in the Old Testament. And it has some very interesting uses in Proverbs. Um, Looking at chapter 23 and verse 8, it uh, says, "...the morsel which thou hast eaten shalt thou vomit up, and lose thy sweet words." The morsel which thou hast eaten. Now this is talking about uh, eating with an individual who has an evil eye. Uh, You're not to desire his uh, dainty foods, because as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And you go ahead and partake of those foods. You are going to vomit it up. And the word lose, where it says, lose thy sweet words, which also is just another way of saying vomit. It uses the word shakath. It is the idea of it causing ruin. You're going, it's, it's, going to, it's going to rot inside of you and cause you to vomit. That's the, the picture. Uh, when you eat with those with an evil eye. Uh, chapter 18. Chapter 18 and verse 9. Here's a good use of the word. He also who is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. A waster. A destroyer. Uh, one that, uh, that uh, corrupts and causes ruin. There's the word. Chapter 28 and uh, verse 24. 28, 24. Whoso robbeth his father or his mother and saith, It is no transgression. The same is the companion of the destroyer. Incidentally, the word there, robbeth, is the word gazelle. Uh, which means literally to rip off. You thought that was a modern word, didn't you? To rip off. He that rips off his father or his mother and saith, it is no transgression. The same is the companion of the shakath, the one who causes ruin. Uh, look at chapter 25. Chapter 25, verse 26. The righteous man falling down before the wicked is like a troubled a uh, fountain and uh, a corrupt spring. The word corrupt is shakath. And Proverbs twenty six, twenty seven: Whoso diggeth a pit, the word pit, who he that diggeth, ruin is uh, uh, going to be destroyed or fall into it, and so on. All right. So the the. Uh, hypocrite or the profane individual uses that instrument of speech, his mouth that has its tremendous power to, to uh, bring to ruin uh, to cause ru- the ruin of his neighbor. Now the word neighbor is the word rea. And rea means an associate. Uh, it is uh, one of the three Hebrew words for friend. And uh, and even though it is not primarily used as an intimate friend, it is used uh, on occasion to speak of an intimate friend. So it has, it's probably the broadest word for friend. Uh, it takes in uh, uh, the, the casual acquaintance, uh, but also the intimate friend. There are other words that speak uh, more specifically than this. But this is speaking of uh, the friend friend. In various ways. I think it's good just to take a few verses and see how it's used, uh, where it's used, where it's translated, friend. Let's look over at Psalm 88, first of all. Psalm 88 and verse 18. Uh, here is the complaint to the Lord. This is, by the way, the only Psalm in the Psalter of the 150 Psalms. This is the only Psalm. With no praise in it, there's no praise in Psalm 88 at all, um, and uh, it, it it talks it talks about suffering, being condemned, being weak, being marked for death, being forsaken, being condemned, being judged, being lonely, being despised, uh, uh, his prayer not being heard, suffering and being judged and being overshadowed, uh, and overwhelmed, uh, being lonely and uh, And in darkness, I mean, it's kind of a black psalm, okay? But in the last verse, it says, Lover and friend, there's the word, Rhea. Lover and friend hast thou put far from me and mine acquaintances into darkness. The word friend uh, there is the word Rhea, and they have been put far from him. Look over at Exodus 33. Exodus 33. And verse 11. The Lord spoke unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh to his friend. Now here's intimacy. The word reah speaking of intimacy. As he speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp and so on. Uh, but it's God speaking face to face with Moses. That is an intimate term. Uh, 2 Samuel 16 2 Samuel 16. And verse 17. And Absalom said to Hushai, Is this thy uh, kindness to thy friend? Why wentest thou not with thy friend? Now again, there's a very close companionship there. uh, And uh, more than a mere associate. Uh, So it's using that... uh, in that broader sense, broader sense of the word, Deuteronomy chapter 13 and verse 6: Thy brother, the son of thy mother, or thy son, or thy daughter, or the wife of thy bosom, or thy friend who is as thine own soul—there the word is used of a of a close friend, a, a, a more than just a mere associate, but one that is in the intimate. Uh, If they entice thee secretly saying, let's go serve other gods, uh, don't pay any attention to them even though uh, you are very close friends. Look at Psalm 35. Psalm 35 and verse 14. I behave myself as though he had been my friend. Or brother, I bowed down heavily as one who mourned for his mother. Psalm 38, and verse 11. My lovers and my friends stand aloof from my sore, and my kinsmen stand afar off. Uh, Look at Job uh, 2. Job. In fact, it's used uh, repeatedly in Job. We'll just look at this one verse. Job 2. And verse 11, now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that was come upon him, we often hear about Job's friends. They were great friends. I, friends like that, you don't really need enemies, but uh, nevertheless, <laughs> uh, they were trying to help, I guess. All right, so it's, it's translated friend on occasion and sometimes speaks of an intimate friend. Look at Deuteronomy 24 now. Deuteronomy 24. And verse ten, Deuteronomy twenty-four. And verse ten, it, talking here about loaning things to uh, others. When thou dost lend thy brother anything, thou shalt not go into his house to fetch his pledge. As one of the ba- one of the neat things, you know, God allowed uh, in the nation of Israel. He allowed people to loan to others, but they couldn't foreclose. What does that tell you? If you can't foreclose, you know, a guy would say, I'll put my coat up for surety. Alright? Well now, that if the coat's not in the house, you can take the guy's coat from him, but you had, a, had another law that said that by evening, by the time the sun goes down, you've got to give him his coat back. Alright? obviously, God was not encouraging loaning. And if you read carefully, you'll understand the reason is because God wanted to encourage giving. God wanted people to learn to share, to give, not to loan. So he says, all right, you want a loan, fine. The you, you guy says, I've got a valuable vase in my house. Now, let's see it. So you go in the house, you take a look at it, and you say, that's good surety, all right. So you leave the thing in the house, that's the, the collateral for the loan. And the guy doesn't pay you back, you never can go into his house and take it, ever. Okay? We say, well, if you we can't do that, I won't loan him any money. God says, fine. <laughs> That's fine. Give it to him. If you've got a com- heart of compassion, if you've got the money, go ahead and give it to him. That's far better, okay? But the word brother here, how did I get on that subject? Oh, I know, it's in this verse. All right. Uh, the word brother is our word rea. So it's translated brother. Sometimes it's translated fellow. Look over in Judges 6. Judges, chapter 6, and verse 29. (laughs) And they said one to another, Who hath done this thing? And when they inquired, uh, they. Is that right? not apparently not let's look at chapter 7 verse 13 maybe I'll do better when Gideon was come behold there was a man who told a dream unto his fellow that word fellow is used there and it's used several times in the old testament that way sometimes it's the word companion first chronicles the book of first chronicles chapter 27 Verse 33. And Ahithophel was the king's counselor. And uh, Hushai, the archite, was the king's companion. The word companion. Uh, There the idea of an associate. Also, uh, look over at Psalm 122. Psalm 122 and verse 8. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say, "Peace be with in thee." So, uh, once in a while, you you have uh, the the word translated uh, uh, another another individual. It's used a number of places there as well, and uh, but the word neighbor is probably the most uh, the most natural translation uh, that we have, and we have that. No less than 19 times in the book of Proverbs, the idea uh, of neighbor. In fact, every time you see neighbor in Proverbs, that is uh, in the King James, every time you see the word neighbor, uh, it is Rhea, with one exception. And the one exception is in Proverbs 27. Look over at that for a moment. Proverbs 27 and verse 10. Where it says, Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not, neither go into thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity. For better is a neighbor that is near than a brother far off. Now the word here in this case is the word shakan, uh, S-H-A-K-A-N, which means a resident or a fellow citizen. And uh, you can see the obvious picture there. It's far better to have a fellow citizen, someone that lives in the same vicinity when you're in time of need, than to have a a brother who is related to you that lives in New York City. Uh, That's the the picture being given. So it's a different word that is used there. But you also find uh, in the book of Proverbs, 14 times, it's the word friend. And when you go through the Proverbs, you have to uh, be be careful of that word friend, because 14 times it's, uh, it's rea. Uh, there are two other major words for friend in the book of Proverbs, and then two other minor words for friend. So, uh, you see that word friend, you don't necessarily assume always uh, that it's uh, going to be the, uh, uh, the, the same word. Okay? Now, there we, we have our little scenario pictured then. You can see the, the picture developing Uh, A polluted man uses his mouth to destroy his associate. And uh, as uh, one translation uh, in the Jerusalem Bible, it says, Through his mouth the godless man is the ruin of his neighbor. Matthew Henry said, It is not the murder with his sword, but the hypocrite with his mouth that destroys his neighbor into sin or into mischief by the specious pretenses of kindness and goodwill. And uh, when you think of the the hypocrite, the polluted man, the godless man, destroying his neighbor, you have to ask yourself, how does he do it? How does he accomplish it? And the book of Proverbs and Psalms, the whole wisdom literature, has a lot to say about it. There are a number of ways that he does it, and I won't cover them all. But one is through flattery. That's one of the ways that the hypocrite ruins his neighbor. Someone has said, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, but no tongue is more fatal than the flattering tongue. Uh, One of the Proverbs says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. and This is just an interpolation of that. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, but no tongue is more fatal than the flattering tongue. Uh, Look at uh, Psalm 5. Psalm 5, verses 8 and 9. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. Actually, the uh, uh, sepulcher there is a word for stinking grave. They've got bad breath. Um, They flatter with their tongue. In actuality, the Hebrew here would indicate they flatter themselves with the tongue. But it could be interpreted both ways. That is, that they themselves flatter the others with their tongue, and also that they flatter themselves. the reflexive idea. Uh, but the idea is that these wicked people, and you look at the description, no faithfulness in their mouth. You can't trust a thing they say. Their inward part is very wickedness. They've got a corrupt heart. Their throat is like an open grave. And they flatter with their tongue. They're destroyers. Be careful of those that flatter, because they often are up to no good. Chapter 12 of Psalm. Psalm chapter 12. One of those heart cries of David. I, I'll tell you, this is a sad, sad uh, uh, psalm. Uh, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. For the faithful fail from among the ch- children of men. They speak vanity every one with his neighbor, and with flattering lips and a double heart do they speak. And the Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Oh, here is, a, here is a, a, a flattery that comes, actually, then the, the lip of bragging is, is the idea here. The lip of bragging, the lip of flattering... That's the, the, the methodology that this kind of person uses. So there's a warning over in Proverbs. Look at Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 19. I, I remember uh, what uh, Christ said about the, uh, about the Pharisees. Remember, he says, Beware when all men speak well of you. There's a danger in that. Isn't that... Uh, see, just a minute here. I'll see if I can find something. Luke chapter 6 and verse 26, I believe. Yeah, that's where it is. Luke 6, 26. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. They said, oh, what a wonderful guy you are. And they killed him. All right? Got to be careful of these kind of people. Proverbs 20 and verse 19. He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets. Therefore, meddle not. Don't mess with him that flattereth with his lips. The guy who is always spouting flattery. Oh, you're so wonderful. You're so marvelous. Be careful. Be very, very careful of such an individual. Look at uh, uh, Proverbs 28, verse 23. Proverbs 28. Verse 23. He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue. Now that's honesty. You don't just go around telling the other individual how wonderful he is. If if a rebuke is in order, you go ahead and rebuke him. And later on, he's going to appreciate it. In In the long run, you're being more faithful by far than the individual who lyingly flatters the other person. Now there's nothing wrong with giving a word of honest praise in appreciation for what someone has done. Flattery is that which, which goes beyond the normal word of appreciation to a person and begins to get into hyperbole as you begin to uh, talk about the individual. Look at chapter 29 in verse 5. A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet. It's an entrapment. Be careful of such an individual. Turn to Proverbs 26 and verse 28. A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it. And a flattering mouth worketh ruin. One of the ways that you destroy another individual is by flattery. Um... Incidentally, the, the flattering tongue uh, was uh, one of the uh, devices of the prostitute. you remember that when we studied that way back? Uh, we want to look at Proverbs 2, verse 16 as an example. Uh, telling you to follow the, the words of uh, wisdom. Uh, in order to be delivered from the strange woman, even from the foreigner who flattereth with her words. Here's the prostitute. And how does she snare a man? By telling him how wonderful he is. All right? Chapter 7 and verse 5. It says that they may keep thee from the strange woman for the foreign foreigner who flattereth with her words. Uh, chapter 7, verse 21. With her much fair speech she causes him to yield. With the flattering of her lips she forced him. Turn back a page to 624. To keep thee from the evil woman. From the flattery of the tongue of the foreign woman. The flattery of the tongue. Now listen. There are very few men who do not respond to a woman who flatters them. You take inventory when you look in the mirror every morning and realize you're not Rock Hudson. Right? And when you go to work and that secretary looks at you and tells you you are, remember what you saw in the mirror, okay? Don't pay any attention to her. Because most most times when a gal is up to no good, she will talk about how big and strong and handsome and wonderful you are. Now, if you really want to get perspective, go home and talk to your wife. She'll set you (laughs) straight for sure. See, that's part of the problem. Men, men respond to this flattery, and very few, I mean, most wives, you know, maybe they used to flatter you in order to, to uh, catch you, but uh, now, you know, they're very used to that uh, uh, face and the wrinkles and all of the rest, and, and they know that uh, you're not strong enough to. Uh, to move the furniture, so therefore, you know, you you may be able to lift weights, but you can't move the furniture, so you're not really, it's not really utile, you know. And so therefore, if she doesn't go around patting you on the back and telling you how wonderful you are. You got this hankering in your sinful heart for someone to tell you you're wonderful. And that gal, that babe, you know, that does the typing for you in the typing pool, she just looks at you and... She doesn't talk about your receding hairline. She doesn't talk about your four B's, the bald bridges, bulges, and bunions. Uh, you know, she, just, she ignores all that and tells you how wonderful you are. And uh, uh, the, the, the thing is that that is an allurement that generally works with men. And uh, any woman trying to seduce a man will use all that kind of, of language. And in this day and age, believe me, they are con- co- continually brazen and bold about it. It used to be that that kind of a person kind of lurked in the streets. Well, you can still find them in the streets. But I'll tell you this, they're also in the offices and, and in the shops and uh, uh, all of these places. And women are more brazen than ever about it. But they use that idea of <coughs> flattery because men are suckers for that. Alright? You beware of it. I I'll, I'll tell you, I have counseled so many situations where guys have gotten themselves into, a, into trouble, to into a jackpot with some woman uh, who the scripture describes very clearly as a strange woman. And uh, uh, I, I as I've talked with them, how in the world could you ever fall? Well, she told me how wonderful I was, and I guess I like to hear that. Yeah? flattering. But what's the, what's the purpose of it? I mean, why does he use his mouth to flatter, to destroy you? Because flattery worketh ruin. Why does the prostitute want to make you feel good about yourself as she flatters you? Simple. She wants to destroy you. You look at the picture of the strange woman, and you find that the devious underneath purpose is a hateful purpose. Uh, Any study that you might do on the subject of of, uh, 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 the the psychological makeup of um, prostitutes and loose women uh, leads you to conclusion that even the scientists that have studied this have have, uh, come to uh, a very biblical position. And that is that most women that do that sort of thing don't love men. They hate them. They really hate them. They ought to destroy them. They have found a means to get back at men. And that is by causing them to fall morally. And there are a great many women who set their design on you to destroy you morally. And uh, they're out there. But they start by telling you how wonderful you are. I get all nervous when gals start telling me how wonderful I am. And I just go to the Lord and say, Lord, you and I know it's not true, all right? <laughs> I talk to my wife and I really find out. All right. We're going to pick this up next week and see a few other ways that uh, this uh, man, this wicked man, destroys his neighbor. Flattery is only one of them. We'll look at some others. Father, thank you for what you're able to teach us through your Word. As we search its treasures, we just praise you that you've given us so much to learn. We just thank you for this privilege of being with these men today and ministering with them. Help us to go from here today and avoid the flattery of others. Avoid their pitfalls. Avoid their hypocrisy. Avoid their wickedness. And no matter what they say, we pray that we will turn to you to find healing for that that which they have, have poured upon us with their mouth. And help us to use our mouth as an instrument of righteousness. Unto God we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.